0: And this is true, especially in Finnish context, um, because advertising and sales, it's something almost outside of what you do. And in Finland, it's very deep in our psyche that we do our work and that should be enough. Yes, You you don't need to promote. So, so, So that's why I think salesperson or salespeople or advertising executive is one of the most least respected professions in Finland. I, I think maybe there's magician slightly, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, card chapter, slightly <laughs> ahead. It's uh, it, it comes back to that, like uh, if if no one knows about your product, no matter how fancy programmatic techniques you're using or anything like that. It doesn't work. My
1: guest in this episode is Riku Vasinen. He's from right here in Helsinki, Finland, but currently he's based out of Nairobi, Kenya as the marketing partner of Ogilvy Africa. Riku is an experienced advertising and marketing professional and a basketball nut. So, of course, he makes an ideal guest for this podcast. We talk about people's attitudes towards advertising, how a lot of people feel like doing the work should be enough, and they neglect the selling and promoting part. How important is advertising? Is it enough to have a good product? How important is it to tell people about it? All right, let's go. Here's Riku. So, Riku, what do you tell people that you do today?
0: Um, Well, I have pretty much always worked in marketing my whole career. Majority of that in advertising agencies. And uh, I don't have any qualms of uh, calling myself advertiser or or working in advertising. I look at it from different angle. To me, advertising actually involves much more of things. So I don't need to change the term of advertising to something else. For me, it involves consumer experience, design, all of those things. So for me, advertising has always been a good word. And uh, because we're, having been worked with advertising agencies, I'm using uh, that term. Mm-hmm. that being said so so maturity of the career in a different agencies pretty much across all the holding companies there are uh wpp uh mm-hmm. interpublic as well uh some omnicom as well um that's the problem with that agencies uh we are good to print other people but the names of uh, yes. The holding companies, they sound like uh, <laughs> evil uh, motherships from sci-fi movie. And then <laughs> all the agency names are just like different acronyms of people's names. Um, but um, before I started in TBWA, again, case in point, <laughs> of, of the, I actually was um, the country head for MySpace in finland so Mm -hmm. that little bit tells my age uh because (laughs) during that time it was the coolest thing around
1: well yeah and i'll have to say this is the first time myspace has been mentioned on this podcast so
0: yeah i I, (laughs) majority of my team for example they don't even know what myspace was but uh um but that that just showcase things changed as well and it played important role during that time and uh, I how I see it, it it paved the way uh for more mainstream social media, but uh but of course in terms of user experience, if I compare, I was quite certain when I saw Facebook, I was like, This is so clean, it works so Perfectly, we are in trouble, and we were.
1: So, MySpace. Where did you go after MySpace?
0: So then I went to TBWA uh, in in uh, Finland, uh, and after that I joined N two, uh, and uh, and that was still in Finland. I wrote my first and my second book also during that time. Actually, the first book is now, it was launched 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, the name was Digital in which means digital footprint in English. And uh, uh, it was one of the first books, not the first one, but one of the first books to talk about social media uh, content marketing in more Finnish contexts. Um and so so I I wrote that one with Auntie Isokangas. then I used to blog in uh marketing and on mine on the marketing and advertising and we actually compiled the blogs as my second book "Mokkalat the Hipster uh which came <laughs> 1 year after that um and I actually after that I I thought that uh Uh, I have pretty much achieved what I have wanted in Finland. Now it would be nice to see a little bit of world, And Mm. uh, I headed to Singapore. First, the plan was to be there two years, uh, but it eventually was almost eight years. Mm. And now I'm a managing partner for Ogilvy Africa, based in Nairobi. Mm. Um, And they're heading our digital business there.
1: Um, okay, so you said before um, you're proud of being an advertiser and you have no problem with sales and marketing, but do you understand why some people are, are not so proud?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think there's a couple of things. One, one is, uh, and this is true especially in Finnish contexts, um, because advertising and sales, it's something almost outside of what you do. And in Finland, yes. it's very deep in our psyche that we do our work and that should be enough. Yes, you, you don't need to promote. So so, so that's why I think salesperson or salespeople or advertising executive is one of the mo- least respected professions in Finland. I, I think maybe there's Magician slightly and, <laughs> and uh, uh, card Chakra slightly <laughs> ahead, but uh, but uh, so I, I think one is psychic thing. Another thing is, and and that to me is the richness, and this is specifically with advertising agencies. Many of the people working in advertising agencies, their passion might lie elsewhere. So. I know so many great art directors who were actually graffiti writers. I know mm. so many copywriters who are actually, and later on they might actually venture to ro- write a books or um, write movies. So I think there's the psyche thing. We are not, uh, it's not just part of. In his culture to advertise or promote or sell. Mm. It should be, you do your job and that should be enough. And it and should sell second, itself. Yeah, yeah. And then the second part is that uh, um, people working in advertising agencies are very diverse bonds, which is the great thing. And the passions might lie elsewhere as, as well. Which I think is the greatest part, part of it. But it might be that you, as, as your core, you t- might feel that your identity is more of a writer or screenwriter or artist than necessary um, advertising person.
1: And what made you different? Like growing up, do you remember your first, you know, do you remember advertisements, TV ads that you really enjoyed? Like what made you want to get into this?
0: Um, yeah, so so uh, for me it was, first of all, um, and, and this is going even uh, <laughs> more old school than Did my space. But but, uh, but for me uh, one of the big uh, things that shaped my life at least a lot was uh, MTV, music okay. television. Yep, and uh, and and there was, of course, it was music for me. Yo MTV raps was a huge yep. thing. Hip hop has always been uh, important thing, and it it hit me right in the right age. And yep. uh, seeing that it was was massive. But the other thing was all those ads. I remember yep, a couple of ads uh, that I still remember very well. Is uh, all the Nike work. But I think one of the best ones were Levi ads, which was perfect connection between music. So, for example, like class, should I stay or should I go?
1: Absolutely, uh, in the
0: in the pool hall or or something. So, so during that time and Joker,
1: Steve Miller Band.
0: Yes, yes, that's I. I actually have I actually found it in flea market as vinyl, like uh, as like Levi uh single for okay. steve miller band joker awesome. so they actually pressed uh a repress of that song
1: yeah, when totally. the
0: campaign came came Absolutely. out so I, it I was actually it. <laughs> it worked yeah um so um so so those things where they left uh and i i still remember and, and it still gives goosebumps also Finnish advertising at that time, and we're sp- speaking about beginning of the '90s, mm. started to be quite uh, interesting, uh, started to be more on, on a global level, but with some of those local peculiarities. And I, I remember the first ad I wrote was when I was, uh, I think, 10 years old. No yeah, uh, that was for uh, school disco. Um so uh we, we had we called them in Finland they're they're called sock discos because you cannot wear shoes okay. inside the training gym. And uh uh I, I was saying there as well, but we, we were doing the ads there and I, I think some of my ads were uh, maybe too conceptual for, for during that time. But uh but did you that's say you were ten years I old? Started. Yeah, yeah, because wow. we, we were, uh, yeah, that was... 10-year-old
1: uh, DJ and head of advertising for the school disco. Well,
0: well, 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 well <laughs> the audience in, in the disco was 10 years old, so so it was target audience. Awesome. <laughs> so so uh, I might have been 11 or 12, but roughly around, it, it was mm. the, uh, like uh, third or fourth grade. Um, or fifth or sixth, but that that doesn't really matter. But uh, but that was the first time, and after that, it it was there for me. It was one of the things I might be able to do. It wasn't really my dream or goal that I want to work in advertising. And actually, after um, after going to Helsinki School of Economics, which is now Alta University. Um I worked in marketing, my major was marketing, but I, I didn't start in agency. So um I I was first in more marketing consultancy uh, firm and then we actually found our own agency and and then uh from that on I got head hunted to MySpace and then eventually I got back there. But for me it has always been um something i i really enjoy i i remember seeing some of the first one like awarded work from can and uh, i i think there is so much you can do uh with creativity uh to increase business which at the end of the day is what advertising is there for
1: okay Uh, i was about to ask you that um, this podcast is called noticing the obvious so I think you would be a great person to tell me, no matter how obvious it is. What do you think at the core of it? What is the job of an advertiser?
0: Um, yeah, sometimes the most obvious things are are the hardest to explain. Yes, but uh, but I, I try. So so to me, it's uh, and and to me, advertising as, as a concept can of course apply to non-business context as well because uh and and maybe some people would use different terms of it but but in in that sense like for example what else is if you're applying for a job isn't your cv advertisement about yourself um from my point of view, it is uh someone who might even feel that advertising is horrible might think that no it it it's not so so to me it's it's about making whatever thing and mostly it is about brands products or services but it it can be about cause it can be about the person it's making it uh known and trying to get action out of it but so that's pretty much the simple form of it and and essentially it works that way uh mm. no one can hire you to a job if no one knows that you exist mm. and then so so that's why and and that's something which is very simple uh we call it in terms it's brand advertising and tactical um very simple concept to my mind uh but but that's essentially what we are playing at, at all the time. You need to make people know about your brand's products or yourself or your cause. And then you need to do the desired action. Quite often it's about buying the product. But my, sometimes, uh, like for example, if you're advocating of boycotting a product, an NGO, for example, then it's uh, making people to do inaction not buy something. But at the end of it, 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 if no one knows that you exist, if no one knows what you're talking about, everything is, um, every, everything is in vain. So, mm. so that's the key part of everything. You need to make your brand, product, cause, whatever it is known. And then you can start talking about what, what's the action you want to uh, get with, so it's with about getting audience
1: so you're saying it's about getting attention first and then deliver the message
0: yeah yeah so i mean of course uh ideally you have such a strong message that um uh it it raises the attention but quite often if i think about majority of products they are me too products. Uh, not referring to the movement there was but but more in in terms of they are similar products there 's not huge difference in in the product features hmm. uh, so no one is really interested about that y- your product or um, uh, to begin with so then you need to use on the other hand, if you have something interesting to say you actually you might need less creativity to tell about it because it's already so interesting in first place so that's what I, I think good example are are movies all the movie trailers look the same there's not so much innovation behind it because actually the movie is such interesting you don't need to use creative vehicles to make mm. that um, um, more interesting in that sense. But the more boring your message is, the more you need to actually use that creativity to make people know this.
1: Ah, see, but then we're getting into territory of, is it ethical for you to create a super cool advertisement for a mediocre product to trick um, people into coming and buying something that doesn't deserve to be bought.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what what deserves to be bought? And, <laughs> and that's uh, because if if we look, um if we look from consumption point of view, we shouldn't probably buy none of the products we have. I I think it's how I look at it is that you cannot advertising. Cannot save really bad product, mm. um, but what it can do, and the reality is, and I, I think it's similarly as as with uh, people as well. Um, there is very few who are the best in category. There's usually only one, and there's very few who are the worst in category. Mm. Because they they will, but majority of the products there's good elements, but they are in the middle hmm. so i I think actually, quite often uh it's about finding those uh and and of course, like you cannot sell a product someone doesn't need to a person, even though how good advertising there is uh so so i I don't think advertising itself. Uh, creates those needs Uh, it helps to channel those needs Mm. Uh, and and of course uh, and I'm not going to say that advertising doesn't work of course it doesn't work but you you cannot create those needs out of thin air like if I have a new uh, product in in hand uh, you cannot just by advertising, make people the desire it. It needs to be somewhat ingrained with them.
1: Mm. So like a lawyer, I suppose, it's a little bit like when as a lawyer you have to decide, do I need to personally like this client in order to defend him? Uh, so have you, as an advertiser, have you ever created a campaign for products that you wouldn't personally support?
0: I, I don't have any qualms. if, if I, I'm, I'm just remembering, has there been ever a moment that I would have adver- done advertisement to something I would feel against? And uh, I have to say, no, no, I haven't. Mm. However, um, I have done lots of work for products, that I don't personally use Hmm. because, um, but the thing is I have done, uh, products for, for example, sanitary pads. Okay. Uh, I'm not female, so I'm not using (laughs) them. Uh, so, so, and, and, uh, I have done car advertisement. I don't own a car. Uh, maybe I own at some point, but, uh, uh, so, so I, I think there's a couple of things we need to separate from here. One is the ethical point of view. My point of view uh, mostly is there might be certain products uh, which I could have problem with, but I have never encountered that situation. And then there is the whole other point about do I need to use the product to understand it? And I think that's Uh, not necessary in in Mm. that you need to understand the user but uh, but if I would need to use all the products and of course it's I like I I remember I was once pitching for an energy drink I I don't drink energy drinks Mm -hmm. uh, but but I I tested it out I, I remember in that particular presentation I drank like Three cans of energy drink <laughs> it tasted horrible. I uh, got a horrible <laughs> okay. headache as well. Um, but but at least I like. I always, whatever product it is, I want to uh, test on it, of course, uh, uh, and and uh, know how it works and all of that. Of course, if you're um, advertising sanitary pads, it's a little bit harder to test how so, it works okay. so, so got
1: what pitch but, did you come up with after you tasted it and you, it tasted horrible? Uh,
0: no, but uh, I mean, you, you still... Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't... Re- it, it was a long time ago. I, I don't remember. The, but the campaign was about, like, it wasn't around the taste. It's okay. still... Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, it, it gave you a buzz. Like, the energy drink uh, gave you a buzz in, in that sense. But, uh, um, but it, it's also... I recognize... I wasn't the target audience. They right. didn't want to get me to uh, <laughs> buy, buy the product. Yep. It, it, it was some, someone else uh, uh, there as well. And uh, you don't need to like all the products in, in in that sense, but you need to find the reason why people like that product. And that you traumatize.
1: Mm. Okay, so let me shift a little bit. Uh, just like you, I've worked for Ogilvy in Asia. Uh, I would love to hear it a little bit about your experience. Um, I'm a huge because before I went worked for Ogilvy. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan. And what was this book Ogilvy on Advertising? It's still a classic. I still have it on my desk. So, uh, how was it for you? You know, working for such a big institution. You know, we sell or else. Like. Wh- what are some of the things, key things that you learned after working there?
0: Um, yeah, I I think it's um, very interesting because as as you mentioned, Ogilvy is at least top five. We can probably argue who are who is the most influencer person in the history of advertising, but. No one can deny that David Ogilvy is in top five. Mm. Is he number one? I I don't know. Uh, But but he's definitely in top five. And and therefore, for me, the ethos of Ogilvy was very well known before uh, I set my foot in our Nairobi office. I had read Ogilvy's book. Lots of his thinking has shaped. Not only how Ogilvy works, but how uh advertising works in in general uh, and uh, i I think it's also i think he's a good example of of also a person who was his own personal brand as well mm-hmm. what he he did he was able to um, and uh, i I think if i uh recall the books i it's maybe eight years when I last uh, read Ogilvy and advertising the, the whole book. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff is slightly too pedantic to my taste. He, he was very uncertain of certain things like you need to do it this way. But uh, regardless of that, I think much of the things are very very accurate still doing this uh, during this time of course channels have changed but but the main thing that i always come back to human beings have not changed
1: Mm. too much definitely not
0: uh so so and 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 that's why it's uh it, it comes back to that like uh if if no one knows about your product no matter how fancy programmatic techniques you're using or anything like that. It doesn't work. So so it's, it comes down to how can you make people know about yourself, your brand, your product, what you believe in, what you do. And then the rest is more mechanics. And uh, we are, and I, I think that's interesting, even though we know more about the world than we do right now. But one of the things we have realized more and more is that how irrational we are as mm. human beings. And uh, if we ever have thought that we would be like rational consumers, mm. uh, that's not true. And, and there's, of course, um, whether it's the work from Dan Ariely or Kahneman or... Something is just showing that behavioral economics Mm -hmm. that we are behaving irrationally time and time again. And and at the end of the day, that's the job we're working on, Uh, talking to human beings and not just people who are um, consumers who are meant to act on certain way, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, what you said there was super key and also super obvious, but we miss it. Which is, if we understand people, you know, you can you can find success in every industry. It's all about just understanding people.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds easy. It sounds very uh, when easy. you said, but but of course, it's like, and and then we can even ask ourselves: Do we even know ourselves? Do do, do we know our friends? Do we know our colleagues and and sometimes we we, we might don't. not even know ourselves.
1: No, no, sometimes uh, all the time.
0: <laughs> so 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 because we are led by our own biases Completely. And, and all of that. So 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 in, in and quite often and I, I, I think it and this is not only advertising, but I, I think it's generally in all the life quite often the right thing is very simple like it's it's very simple and obvious to do the right thing mm-hmm. but it usually involves certain pain certain effort and that's why we are ditching doing it <laughs> uh and and then we are asking why we are not doing the right thing uh and i i think in, in that's why there is so much mediocre or even shitty advertising out there because for various reasons we neglect the right thing we neglect the fact that people are irrational and this would work better but then we over complicate things and then we are in the same situation as we are quite often in our lives so it's very seldom uh, that we wouldn't know what we should do but we don't do it because we're too lazy to do it or we don't uh, bear the consequences so
1: can you define quickly what is crappy advertising for you?
0: Um, it's something that underestimates the audience. Uh, like if, if you need to cram everything there, um, um, like if, if you see that you're underestimating the receiver, people are not stupid. Uh, and and that's actually I'll give this one of quote like audience isn't stupid uh, she is your wife and that's how you should should um, ap- approach it in a way it's like it's it's your friend it's mm. your uh, who is seeing that so I I think that's a key thing then if there's no creativity if there's no twist uh, that that I don't like and and there's different levels of it like mm-hmm. uh, there can be innovative and it doesn't necessarily meaning going overboard but just something which is like based on good insight and uh, so so like lately something I I really enjoyed quite simple uh, ad, but uh, but done by my former agency n2 in here which was now that the restaurant started mm-hmm. uh, for koti pizza and and what they were doing is they actually showcased logos of other restaurants as wow. well. And uh and to me that was like that's great advertising because actually like and, and quite often many brand managers would be, but can we do that? Because we are talking about another brand and all of that. But People are not stupid. They eat in many restaurants. <laughs> yeah. They don't like. Yeah. They will. They uh, are aware they that there are food. other restaurants. So, so, actually, that makes you trust that brand even more, yep. because That's the audience one. sees that actually, that um, restaurant or that restaurant chain, it's living. Uh, it's not living in brand bubble. It's yep. living in real world. And and just simple things like that. Uh, are, are, are something I appreciate so so sometimes it's not like the most unique or first of a kind thing it's just something which is uh, nice and and uh, quite like right and when you see it you're like oh I see see it this this is good
1: Excellent. thing
0: so 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 to me like I said the crap is if you're underestimating the audience and if you're, too obvious, and and then the other part is if you're too complicated, as well. Okay. So 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 there is uh, like if you overcomplicate things, that's that's also if you have multiple messages. So there is some. Um, uh, it's a thin line uh, between too obvious and too obscure, and all the best ads are right in the middle of it. Yep. Uh, in a way, it, it has enough familiarity, yep. but enough something new. It's a and little actually, surprise, a tiny yeah, little surprise yeah. is what we want. And, and that actually applies to lots of other things as well. Same way is like with hit songs. If it's too much of the same thing, no one is intri- uh, intricate. But if it's too out there, it's too unknown yeah as well so so that's why uh hit songs quite often you can see the continuum why this song has become a hit uh of course making a hit song is probably even uh much more harder than to do uh create advertising but uh but but equally it's it's about that balancing of uh not being too obvious but not being too obscure
1: yeah Absolutely. It's about making a change, but being patient and making a tiny gradual change because nobody wants to be changed completely. So your message has to be familiar with a new, a tiny piece of information, right? If you hit them over the head with something completely that they don't connect with, they don't relate to, it's too new, that's not going to work. And if they've heard it all before, that's not going to work. It has to be things they've heard before, and then something a tiny bit new.
0: Yeah, yeah, or or something that makes you look the things you know in slightly in new a different light. way. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good point. Um, hey, so what have you noticed? We haven't talked about Asia yet. So you've been living away from Europe now for so long, and now home is Africa. But what what do you notice in developing countries working in advertising? Do the culture changes? Impact the messages you deliver
0: mm, yeah so so that's interesting because i I was based in Singapore uh, but was working with uh, most regional accounts so so all, pretty much all the markets in southeast Asia a little bit uh, uh, abroad and and of course it's none of the countries there are alike it's mm. a little bit like you would lump. Okay, let's do a campaign to Europe, and the same thing runs to Finland and yep. Spain, for example. Yep. So, so I I think, and even in 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 that sense, uh, Singapore itself, its uh, its GDP is higher uh, than in Finland. So, yep. so it's even <laughs> wrong to say that it's a developing yeah, country. Yeah, But then no. <laughs> there's of of course, uh, there are like huge markets like Indonesia, which even within Indonesia there's huge differences with with how it is. So so I, I think it's it's a little bit uh like if, if you read philosophy and, and they, they say about philosophy, the more you read it actually the more you realize the least you know. So in, in some way it was actually going to ASA was you learned so much more about all the markets, the local nuances, but it felt like almost after that that there's so much more you don't know so so that's why it was very exciting because no matter what what was the pro project about, you are always learned new things about the countries you worked for and, and, and that one. So, so I, I, I think that's why it's, it's very hard to say there's like one size fits all because um, if I compare like two markets, like for, for example, and, and uh, like Thailand has very, they generally want to do lots of humor, lots of vibrancy, all of that, whereas Indonesia traditionally is slightly more conservative. But the, mm-hmm. still, there are very quirky brands doing very quirky things in Indonesia, more conservative brands in Thailand. But you found, like, I, I think there was this unique humor uh, in, in, in some of the markets, the unique differences. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's very hard. Like, I, I cannot really say, like, okay, this is how you crack the Thailand Market for, for example. sure it's yeah. it's the combination of the brand the audience it's the big difference is are you uh uh tar- are you um focusing on like c- uh, cities or rural areas that of of course affects um the channel selection the style you're working on but uh but of course there are certain things. Uh, that like uh, especially Thailand is is very known for like this quirky humor which comes mm. uh, across and and probably one of the most most shared. But uh, but I, I think there were like uh, and, and there's always anomalies in in the markets as well who are doing things differently. So I think what is big thing and and uh, it's it's especially apparent right now working in Africa is that. Uh, the differences within the country can be even bigger. Like uh, the difference between the metropolitan area compared to the uh, rural areas might be even bigger than the differences between countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but but on, on the other hand, and, and that I don't really see that much in Finland. Of course, there are certain... Discrepancy or differences in view of like Helsinki people and and then the countryside, so to speak. But at the end of the day, it's still quite similar um, as as such. Um, so so I I think, but but at the end of it, like the good advertising, it still it speaks. To the human truths, it speaks to the human. So and it has that local relevance as well. So I, I don't think um there's huge difference in that way, like what works as well. But of course, channels are different, people use channels different ways, so you need to access to that. But uh but overall to me that main starting point of starting about like to whom we are talking to. What is our product? Uh, what's interesting about that? What's interesting uh, in that combination of that product or brand in connection with our audience lives? And usually all, all the things stems from there. And then there's the third part. It's like what are the best channels to utilize it? So in, in that terms... Audiences can be completely different. The solutions can be completely different. But at the end of the day, there's not huge difference uh, of what makes ad- advertising work yep. in different markets. Really, but, well but 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 of of course there are like in some markets people are used to longer films, for example, whereas in in some markets. But but to me, those are more tactics or channel selection it's still you can tell a good story in six seconds of course in two minutes you have more room to play with but still it's about touching those human emotion making your brand differentiated coming back to the basics
1: yep really well put thank you all right i know we're almost out of time so i want to talk about quickly basketball i know you're a basketball fan and i'm a huge basketball fanatic and i always find even in this podcast i've always talked about how i always find a basketball analogy uh, when it comes to business and marketing so well first let me ask you who who's your team
0: uh it was chicago bulls um uh, or i actually my team is uh, Hyvinkaan-Ponteva which is (laughs) uh, where where I played Um, from there but but of course during that time uh, Finnish basketball wasn't particularly exciting Mm. Um, nowadays it is I I think we have tremendous um, national team Um, we have lots of really good young players of course Lauri Markkanen Mm. Uh, on on top of uh, the heap and and, and a lot of, lot of it, so I, I think there has been massive improvement yeah. in, in that and uh, and also uh, of course, Juvin uh, Camponte my team. They they have been awesome in in women's uh, league and and all of that. But I haven't been following that, so for me, Chicago Bulls that last dance, and especially that last dance era team Mm, with Roadman Pippen. Uh, That's the team for for me. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think we grew Uh, up around the same time, so I'm the same. But here, let me make my analogy. So, in terms of having a product and being able to sell the product, I've seen, I mean, tell me if you agree, I've seen some players come out maybe come out from high school and because of the media hype. So, you know, you, you, the player is the product and then the media hype is the advertising. I've seen advertising make a mediocre player a great player.
0: Mm, can, can can you give me... <laughs> oh, do you want me to uh, name okay.
1: names? Well... Even all right I'm going I'm going to go there this is going to be difficult but even somebody like LeBron okay when he came but, out when he came out of high school he was already named the king and he hadn't done anything yet and if you look at his career I should I don't want to criticize players <laughs> but no no I think he's benefited from positive media promotion and a, and a bunch uh, of others
0: yeah, although I have to say um it can work on other way around as well. Like if LeBron wouldn't have been as good or if Kobe Bryant wouldn't have been. And I I think Kobe is maybe uh even better example because I I think he was good when he started but he wasn't yet on Jordan level. It took a couple of seasons for him to really elevate himself to all-star level but it was there so i i think the hype was real uh for for that one and i i think and we were discussing about it actually this week and i, I was saying that of course for me michael jordan is the best player yep. of all time, of all time. Uh, because it's the same thing as with music the music you grew up in teenage years that's something that hits you the hardest. But from rational evaluation point of view, if LeBron wins one more with Lakers, it's very hard to say that he wouldn't be the greatest
1: oh, player. I don't uh, <laughs> All right, we're but, not going to get into a LeBron-Jordan yes. argument. No, no but.
0: but but I mean, and, and for me, Jordan is always the best. But to me, it's, it's also like there was huge hype but he, he has been able. But then there has been people like Harold Miner, who no one probably remembers. Baby Jordan, two-time dunk yeah, champion. Baby, yeah, but but he he was, I mean he wasn't, uh, he didn't live up the hype.
1: That's a good so, point.
0: So 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 it's. But but I, I would actually turn it on, another way around. I would say that a player who has been able to brand himself well mm. uh, can actually almost like through that branding make himself much more known. And I, I That's think what I'm saying. No, 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 but wait. Uh,
1: the point is not known. The point is branding yourself to a point where your skills actually, you, it's like a self-perpetuating cycle. You, 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 the media tells you you're great and you actually start playing great. That's what I've noticed.
0: Um, yeah, but but uh, I, I think the more interesting point would be someone like Rodman, okay, who actually he was able to make make rebounding sexy. Yep. He was able to make and and he's a he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best defensive players uh, of all time. But he would he be as legendary without that personal brand of his, it's because he was so great advertiser in, in that sense. But I, I think where we are going here is, do you see that advertising as, as a bad thing or, or not? And lots of people see Rodman as just like a circus show. But if you look the games, he was so tremendous in what he did. And uh, I, I think it, he, he did lots to good, to the game with that making defense sexy for a moment of course no one cares about defense anymore but, but, but at least for a moment it was uh, okay. interesting
1: I, I can see you love talking about basketball so we need to have a separate episode just on basketball <laughs> but I just want to quickly Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, let me just summarize yeah, my yeah. point and then you can tell me if you agree mm-hmm. the, what I'm saying is I'm noticing in the previous era you came you did your work, and then you gained notoriety. You became famous through your work now in this era in basketball and outside of basketball 'm more you know it 's a universal trend. We want the fame first, we want the notoriety first. we want the advertising first, and then we want to do the work, and some of us don 't even want mm-hmm. the work we just so what i 'm seeing is players coming out and they they 're famous and they're already we have rookies who people are already saying this is going to be the greatest of all time. And it's just, this word is now thrown around so easily. And I wonder, is that a metaphor for the advertising world and just for the larger world in general?
0: Yeah, on the other hand, it's the biggest culprit of, of that is probably Jordan, who had his Nike deal already laid out uh, when he started and uh, and all of that and, and that's in 80s so so I, I think uh, I, I, I think there are probably parallels and um, probably in, in that sense the and I still follow NBA quite a lot I, I think the whole social media presence part of it is totally different. As mm. it was before, but how I think, like when Jordan came in, the hype was real he He was the first rookie ever to get that shoe deal uh and and there because we are always on the lookout for the next big team
1: so yes, so that's I, a good point.
0: I, 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 I don't think it, it's that new phenomenon. But to to wrap up in, in, in a way uh, what you said about the basketball analogy. So to me, I think lots of the lessons in life you can learn from sports because oh, it, man, it's it's so it's the life it's the life in condensed format, whether it's that four times twelve minutes or or something like that. And uh, Um, and I'm very firm believer of sports, uh, creating that character and, and of course it's fun and it keeps you fit, but, uh, but I, I think there's like different philosophies you, we could run for days around basketball and, uh. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and uh, but I I think it's it's um, important and of course it comes from I, I think it can be any sports and and or it can be a hobby or whatever but uh, but I, I I see it as a, like really great thing and and of course for those who are listening right now and not interested in basketball <laughs> at all or any sports I think many of these things apply to lots of the other things where you're passionate about but in in many ways it it some of the feelings some of the phenomenons of this messy real life in in more structured format so 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 that may why, why it makes it um quite interesting and there's the whole human spectrum of life there's the wins the losses And, uh, and, and that's why I think the last dance was such a tremendous documentary because it's essentially following that hero's journey. Like Jordan has like the challenges, the tribulations, he has his allies, he has his enemies. It's, it's like star Wars Mm. (laughs) Or, or Bible or, or something like that. And, and, uh, and, and then it comes like those story arcs, like the best teams, the best games we remember, they actually have that story arc that mm. um, uh, uh, touches upon us. Okay, I'm, 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 I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm really, really going off the tangent, but I, I think in many ways, whether you like sports, or like, and many of my friends who know that I'm a big basketball geek, said to me that hey i have never watched a basketball game but i watched last dance it was awesome yeah same for me the thing is because and and nowadays funnily enough i don't actually uh for me it's almost more interesting is the whole team building aspect salary caps all of that because it's it's like strategy (laughs) In, in that way like are you rebuilding your team? Are you selling this team? How how you're faring in drafts? Should you tank and all of that? And and sometimes those things might be even more interesting than the games. So mm. so there's lots of aspects to to get get, get there. But uh, but I also get that some people don't like sports at all, and and that's that's fine. But uh, I I think similarly as as uh, with great movies, great books, I, I think a little bit of sports is is part should be part of everyone's curriculum um, because it it gives. Uh, I there was a long time for me about maybe ten years I wasn't following basketball and and uh, uh, that was time wasted uh, <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I, I I have been very and of course it this coronavirus virus time has been horrible right now because there's no sports to watch (laughs) so so very happy that the nba is back
1: cool all right awesome riku i know we could do this all day so but let's end it here (laughs) thank you so much for a nice talk and let's shoot some hoops before you go back to africa (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would love that. I um, haven't, haven't been. I, I have done it once. Um, uh, once now I have been in here and uh would love to do that. Let's more do because, it. Uh, because the basketball is is um, it's a game that the older you get, it's. Get, uh slightly more dissatisfying because <laughs> you jump you don't jump as high and, uh, you uh, you're too tired to run but uh it's it's a great sport
1: yes all right thanks again riku thank you all right that was riku vasinen i'll i'll let you know soon about the result of my one-on-one basketball game with him. That's it from me. I'm Tan Le. This is Noticing the Obvious. Please join me again next time.